wait for the framing. Thank you, Jason. Sure, hope I will just make note of when Vice Chair Manaman joins the meeting. I'm sorry, Let me know when we're ready. We'll do, sir. We're ready, but you got to formally start so they can start streaming. All right. Chair G, I believe we are good to go ahead and call this meeting to order. Very good, Donald. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Welcome to the Lunar New Year of the Tiger. I hope everyone's doing well as we celebrate uh, the year of the Tiger. Good health and good prosperity to everybody. I like to call the TJPA Board of Directors meeting of February 10th, 2022 to order. I'm Jeff G, the board chair. This board meeting is being conducted pursuant to provisions of the Brown Act and in compliance with the California State Assembly Bill AB 361 to facilitate teleconferencing to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown Act sets strict rules for teleconferencing. AB 361 has suspended those rules. This meeting is being held during a proclaimed state of emergency and state and local officials have imposed or recommended measures to promote social distancing. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via SFGov TV, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us live on SFGov TV, and I'd like to thank the SFGov TV team for their support and for their services. Mr. Secretary, could you please call the roll? Thank you, Chair G. I would like to note that Morgan Galley will be sitting in as Director Lipkins alternate and Director L. Tawansi will not be in attendance for today's meeting. Directors, please respond when I call your name. Director Forbes? Here. Forbes present. Director Galley? Here. Galley present. Director John Baptiste? Present. John Baptiste present. Director Shaw? Present. Shaw present, Director Tumlin. Present. Tumlin present, Vice Chair G. Uh, present. G present, uh, Vice Chair Manament is expected and I will make note of it when he arrives. Directors, we have warm. I'll go ahead and call your next item. Please. Directors, item three is communications and we'd like to remind the public that the public comment process is listed on the agenda and streaming on the screen. I am not aware of any other communications from the board at this time. I will proceed to call your next item. Directors, item four is the Board of Directors new and or old business. I'm also not aware of any, so I will proceed to call your next item. Directors, item five is the Executive Director's Report. Good morning, directors, and happy summertime here in San Francisco. Uh, it's been a, a busy week here at the TJPA. Um, I have a number of updates for you. Earlier this month, we were informed that our Citizens Advisory Committee member, Bob Clanthold, who served as the disability advocate, passed away. Uh, Bob joined our CAC in March 2021 and instantly made an impact uh, with his insightful questions and stirring yet personable demeanor. I personally remember him working the halls of Hall for much of the last several decades. 
Uh, he was a steadfast and vocal advocate. We could count on him to advocate on TGAPA's behalf for the DTX project. We extend our condolences to Bob's family and friends during this difficult time, and he was acknowledged as such at our uh, last month, I shared my goals for the next 18 months, which focus on delivering DTX to its funding milestones, beginning with advancing the project to the engineering phase for our forthcoming New Starts Capital Investment Grant application next year in 2023. This requires a demonstrated commitment of 30% of the non-federal funds, or about $900 million by this time next year, and 50% of the non-federal funds, or about $1.5 billion, to apply for a full funding grant agreement. August of 2023, just 18 months from now. I've had several briefings with many of our key partners here in the Bay Area, as well as in Sacramento and DC, to strengthen the relationship and to make them aware of our forthcoming activities and funding needs. Uh, we'll be discussing the full DTX funding strategy at our next ESC meeting next Friday. I have more details to share here at the board. Here at the center, we're continuing to track the city's response to COVID-19, even with the pending loosening of mask restrictions scheduled for next Wednesday, uh, February 16th, masks will still be required on transit and in transit centers. So we are asking our visitors to remain vigilant regarding masking in the center, except when on the rooftop park. Earlier this week, we released another request for qualifications for park programming. Late last year, we created a bench of park programmers, and through this new RFQ, we're working to expand the list of qualified providers at our park. Programming falls into one or more of the following categories, arts and culture, children and families, hobbies and interests, fitness and wellness, and live entertainment. Uh, interested parties can visit our website for more information on how to. Our director of facilities, uh, Jen, discussed this more shortly. Late last year, we shared that we are working on a public tour program for the center. And I'm happy to report that we've been working with our partners at SF City Guides and plan to launch the tours by the end of this month. Tours will be about one hour in length and will be offered one to two times per month. We look forward to having the public learn about the TJPA, our history, and charge to deliver on the multimodal facility and built over the rail extension and passed by voters as far back as 1989. Uh, in other funding news, we expect to receive the $200,000 wayfinding allocation from the Metropolitan Transportation Commission, which we approved with their commission in late January. Uh, staff is working with MTC to bring a contractor on board to develop a phased plan for our wayfinding improvement plan for the gap analysis. We expect to bring a budget item to you to accept the funds and approve the contract to spend the money at the March board meeting. Uh, and all MTC funds must be expended by June 30th. Also, with our wayfinding working group transit partners, uh, MCA, MTC, AC Transit, we're making other improvements to the wayfinding system at the center, and Jen will discuss this more. Um, in the broader funding category, we've been tracking two big funding sources for DTX that will help ensure we meet our 2023 milestone funding goals for the FTA's CIG program. Uh, these are in addition to the resolution of the $325 million in funds dedicated to the DTX the currently uh, pending resolution of dollars. Um, staff is, is working with the California, or excuse me, Francisco, uh, County Transportation Agency as their expenditure plan advisory committee prepares a draft plan for the Prop K sales tax reauthorization measure this fall. This is San Francisco's half cent sales tax for transportation. Uh, 
which is expected to go before the PA, the MTC, and the Board of Super Board, Super Supervisors before placing on the November ballot. At the state level, uh, staff continues to work on our transit and inner city rail capital program application, which is due to the state on March 3rd. Uh, to ensure we are the pipeline, we are requesting uh, a $600 million allocation over multiple fiscal years through this grant application. Yesterday, MTC's Programming and Allocations Committee endorsed $25 million for our application in the current cycle. We're awaiting legislative action on the governor's $2 million budget proposal last month to augment this grant, which was tentatively being called an augmentation cycle uh, that would be available uh, as you know, DTX has had a long regional benefit uh, and impact, which not only benefits San Francisco, but riders in the East Bay as they connect to the transit center. Um, our team was conducted a greenhouse gas analysis for this first application, which confirms DTX cost per metric ton of CO2 reduced um, at $81 per metric ton, uh, which by way of comparison is better than every other on a 2020% funded project, except for four capacity, uh, which as we know has substantial ridership and planning their but the others are anywhere between 100 and 500 Federal level, we're awaiting the release of the notice of a third funding opportunity from USDOT with funding transportation for projects of national significance, known as MEGA, uh, which is expected later this month. As you may recall, the Trans Bay program was listed as a project of national significance in 2009. Uh, our investment funds in 2010. We hope to learn more about this new program. Qualified. Since we are now in the FTA's CIG project development phase, this year's task efforts in terms of technical and funding advocacy are really going into overtime. Our accelerated work program has a number of tasks scheduled for board of consideration this year. Starting with the aforementioned funding strategy, we'll be walking you through next uh, meeting and progressing through some substantive discussions on project delivery, governance, and ultimately cost options. UTX has been a priority for the Bay Area for the last quarter century, and I'm working with our partners and ESC members to ensure we meet the funding milestone goals in the FDICIG program over the many regional benefits of the projects. State budget surplus and federal infrastructure bill really is a critical time for leveraging capitalized and support funding opportunities. The next 18 months will be due to us to push through and get this project moving. Um, in doing so, we hope to unlock uh, $2.5 billion in the federal funding, uh, which would be a leveraging $11 federal dollars for each local dollar. On the rebranding side, as we go out and talk more about BTX, we need to emphasize that it is much more than a downtown extension for San Francisco. Regional benefits and positive impacts stretch well beyond San Francisco, include the connection of 11 Bay Area transit providers serving eight counties and one grand certification of the West, while facilitating everything from a new high density transit oriented neighborhood with 35% affordable housing to meeting our long, long range greenhouse gas emission reduction targets and improving our four transit capabilities for future mobility in the I know you've last received an update on the rebranding efforts in October, and we're moving forward with our public outreach and messaging 
board bringing an updated look and feel for the projects, CAC, ESC, and this board advice. Finally, uh, on the CAC, as announced last month, we have commenced the annual recruitment process for our Citizens Advisory Commission. We are accepting applications until Friday, February 25th. Please invite some interested parties to see that application on our website. Um, and this includes my executive director report. Happy to answer any questions. Um, none. I'm going to go to our facilities. Executive Director Vandewater, thank you for your report. Um, I'm going to ask if you could maybe log back in. It was your your comments were a little hard to hear because they were a little garbled. Um, I think we got most of it, maybe 95% of it, but um, while we get the facility operations report, maybe we can, you can log back in and we can come back with any director questions. Okay, you know, we've learned over the last two years, technology is not perfect. So um, um, appreciate if you could do that. So maybe we can go on the facilities report and we'll come back with any questions for you from the directors. Jen, would you like to do the facilities operations update? Certainly. I believe our Jason is pulling up the presentation now. Hey, Donald, I was going to go ahead and help uh, Adam momentarily. So I'm going to go ahead and pass you the uh, sharing privileges and let you share. Can you go ahead and do that? Yes. Thanks for your patience, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I can just make it go on my own screen and just make the report depending on how it's doing. How's it going, Donald? Do you want me to just give a verbal report? Nope, I'm coming right now. All right. Um, All right, will you give me the next slide, please? The good news is we can hear you loud and clear. Good. That is good news. Thank you, Director Shaw. Um, so as, uh, as you heard, we are continuing to follow the Transportation Security Administration's mandate um, that continues with indoor masking at transit stations through March 18th. Um, that'll become more challenging as the rules change from the places people are starting to when they arrive here. Um, and our strategy with that is to just be consistent with our signage that uh, reinforces that facial coverings must still be worn. Um, there's also a recording that plays two times per hour in the station um, saying that face coverings are mandatory. And of course, we continue to clean all the high touch surfaces more frequently than we did pre-pandemic. Um, and the center is designed to use fresh air movement throughout the Grand Hall and the bus deck and the plazas. So um, I think we're in great shape there. Next slide, please. Oh, can you go back one? There you go. Wayfinding upgrades. Highest priority since I've started is to 
um, attack wayfinding from literally from all directions because that's where wayfinding needs to happen, right? They come to us from every direction. So uh, personally, I get on and off Muni at a different entrance and on and off BART different directions every day to try to look through a patron's eye as to whether, you know, if I was standing right here and I was trying to find the transit center, where is the nearest information helping me find that? And um, so one of our steps working with our partners is to add um, these three of the kiosks that were over at the temporary terminal. We have stored and I'm working to get them, get the sidewalk permitting in place to put them up in three areas around the transit center, including on second at Minna to point into the transit center. Um, and I've identified a few other locations that I think they'd be helpful. So that's one strategy. Another piece of the, we're just gonna eat away at all the edges, um, is to redo the decal on the Grand Hall. So that's been redesigned and that tells what where to go after hours and what our hours are. The Grand Hall does close at 10 p.m. And uh, the new decal, we went with transparent with just letters in the past. We had 14 of them, but they weren't particularly visible. The new one will be much more visible. It will direct passengers um, who arrive after hours to Beale Street, which is the closest elevator to all the AC transit buses that go in the evening. So I think that um, will help people find their way. Um, the transit information display frames, which are for static, the very familiar 40 inch by 40 inch static displays that you see in the Muni stations and the BART stations and such, um, those frames shipped this week. Yesterday, we're in Milwaukee. I am tracking them daily. I don't know where they are yet today, but I'm hoping for them by Monday, getting those things up by the end of February. Um, working closely with all the organizations to use the resources people have to get consistency, clarity, and um, just to attack from a lot of directions. We have an, um, what we're calling a mini RFP out to the MTC bench to uh, spend funds that we got from MTC and then the TJPA funds um, to improve the digital signage, um, look at how those interactive kiosks work, and then um, start a phased replacement of them um, so that we should have that, we should be bringing that contract approval to you. My fingers crossed, everything goes smoothly um, in March so that we can get that happening quickly. Uh, next slide. Uh, Park's looking great. We refinished all the park benches. We're trimming the trees in preparation for the spring growth. Um, it's a beautiful, vital place. Next slide. Um, our fitness program, I don't know if you're aware, provides five free drop-in classes a week. Um, those are provided by our tenant, Fitness SF. Um, they're well attended. Um, pulling 30 to 35 people in cold January and increasing as the weather increases. Um, next slide. We also, our music programs, I think I mentioned last month, 110 music programs between January and April. They're all ages. Um, this slide shows on the left that one of the toddler music programs that's pulling in 60 to 70 families a day. We do it Tuesday and Thursday morning. Um, and then on the right is a drumming circle that we did 
um, several Sundays ago. We're doing it again this Sunday um, from 1 to 2.30. You should drop in. They supply the drums. Um, and then there's lunch in the plaza, uh, music in the plaza on Fridays, in the lawn on Saturdays. Um, so just a lot of good things happening. And we're seeing about mm, about 150 people at the height of um, a weekend afternoon. So that's great. Next slide. Private events, which is one of the ways we make income. Um, interest is increasing. Uh, I can't say that I've done any of them yet. <laughs> I schedule them and then I move them by a month. But March is looking super dense right now. And I'm hoping that those with employees coming back to work, those a lot of those are corporate networking. As employees come back, either lunchtime or late in the afternoon events, um, so also doing a high school dance for Washington High School. Uh, Galileo is coming by um, next week to take a look at the space. So trying to utilize the space to support the community and support us at the same time. And then um, in late May, we have some fundraising events um, that are going to feel safer outside that would have normally been in a ballroom somewhere. So figure out how those work. Next slide. And again. Um, Rather than just show you a whole list of our retail clients, I thought I would go with the positive news that we have some projected openings. The build outs in both Ven Venga Empanadas and Tycoon Kitchen are coming along well. Venga was actually hoping to open on March 1st, but a supply chain problem with a cooler is probably the delaying them till mid-April. Um, Kaiser Permanente is working on their staffing. Um, as you know, they've been paying rent for months and months now, but hoping to open in mid-May. All of this hopefully aligning with the return of people to the neighborhood. Um, so excited about that. Next slide. Um, also encouraging people to work together and support each other. Uh, very happy that so many of our businesses are local businesses um, with people anxious to support each other. So. One of my happy news of this month was that um, Bear Bottle Brewery, who will be opening the beer garden on the plaza, uh, they had submitted a menu and has very limited food on it. But in that menu, they had mentioned empanadas. And uh, I had pointed out that perhaps that was a conflict which, with you know our dining partner on the ground floor. And immediately the owner reached out to Venga. And so Venga will be providing the empanadas for the plaza and for that location under the Grand Hall escalator. So just excited to see people working together. Um, next slide. And then um, I'm just going to bring you another story of who, who, who our clients and retail tenants are here. Uh, at the last CAC meeting, there was a question about um, Fitness SF, who is has a huge amount of space on the second floor at the west end of the center and uh, what they did to support the community. And I didn't have a good answer. So I went and spoke to them and I discovered that they're corporate philanthropy award winners. Um, they work with dozens of San Francisco nonprofits providing scholarships and discounted memberships in places like where I came from, the Opera Ballet and Symphony, all the um, employees of those organizations are offered discounted memberships. Um, here in the neighborhood, you know, we have a relationship with the East Cut CBD, as does Fitness SF. They provide free memberships to the street cleaning team. Um, and then they are really proud of their job training program. 
and which offers complimentary memberships for the participants of the Harbor Light Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center. They also, in their job training program, they um, five days a week, they work with participants to develop life skills and prepare for a career in fitness industry. And then Fitness SF offers participants employment opportunities upon graduation. This um, program has employees working at all levels of their organization, including managing one of the fitness centers here in San Francisco. Um, so I think that's a great story. Next slide. And one more. Oh, aren't we tired of talking about kitchen exhaust? But it's necessary. So we're super close. We're down to just being able to, the real victory will be when Tycoon Kitchen, which is the first organization that I think will be using it, uh, that we are able to control it and, and we are well on our way to that. So um, as I said, counters and walls being installed. We're doing design review of both the bare bottle structure that will go onto the plaza and um, the JSSK rooftop uh, restaurant. So busy getting those prepared to move on to the next phase of construction. Next slide. And that's it for me. Thank you so much for your time and attention. I'm here to answer questions if there are any. Thank you, Jen, for your report. Directors, any, any questions on the facilities update? I don't have any questions. I just wanna say that um, First, I think it's very helpful to have new eyes when it comes to wayfinding, and I appreciate those new eyes. Um, and then secondly, thanks for bringing the information on Fitness SF. I don't think, you know, I know I didn't have any idea, and it's really nice to see those types of things. So thank you. Thank you, Director Shaw. Any other director questions or comments? <clears throat> Jan, thank you for the report. If there's any <clears throat> need to help promote some of the exercise classes, perhaps we can persuade the board and TJPA staff to do a uh, exercise dance class together. Just okay, to <laughs> well, I will tell you that Donald and I are dancing together today at 1230. So you're all welcome then, but uh, <laughs> we'll warm up the dance floor and I think that's an excellent idea. Thank you so much. Adam, thank you for rejoining us. Let's go back. Any questions or comments, directors for the executive director report? Adam, let's do a, a, a sound check. I think there, you know, thank you for all the hard work and, and making sure this is a regional project. You mentioned uh, the CAC recruitment process and the deadline. Could you re remind us all of that? Because I want to make sure people hear that. Yeah, uh, applications are, uh, the application portal's up on our website and we're accepting applications through February 25th. So there's still some time if there are anybody interested in helping us uh, move this project into the next phase. Very good, thank you very much. Directors, any other questions or comments for our executive director, Director Shaw? I just wondered, I know you mentioned the MTC program and allocations committee and you talked about the 25 million, but I think there was, was, was there another one on the agenda for that and how did that go? Uh, so the program and allocations committee was, was looking at mostly at what we call cycle five of TERSIP, which is uh, the application is to be March 3rd. Uh, there's about five or six hundred million dollars available statewide, and then there's a geographic distribution of that across California. Um, and so they made a recommendation for 25 million for BTX for that cycle. But the one that we're mostly interested in is one that hasn't fully taken shape yet, which is still a governor's proposal in its January budget proposal, uh, which is subject to legislative approval in the budget. 
um, but if that is adopted, could be about $2 billion in state surplus augmentation in a new cycle six so that um, the fall would be issued late summer, early fall after the resolution. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Director Shaw. Other questions or comments? <clears throat> Not seeing any immediately. If I'm missing anyone, just please jump in. My apologies. <clears throat> I'm not seeing any other hands at this time. I'd like to note that Vice Chair Mandelman has joined us as well. Good morning, Vice Chair Mandelman. Morning. We are now hardwired to hopefully a better connection. So hopefully the glitches you experienced are done for the day. Um, but if there are no other questions, I'll ask our security director, Rodney Harris, to the security center. Very good. Good morning, Chair G and Directors. I will be providing the quarterly security update. Give me one second, Directors, and I will bring that report up. Adam, if you're with Jason, can you tell him he needs to make me the presenter again? Thank you. Okay, so we're tracking three KPIs for contract security. One is personnel turnover, uh, post-staffing, post-insight competency testing. Uh, personnel turnover, Allied attained 19% turnover as there were minimum turnover during last quarter. Post-staffing, uh, Allied re staffing resulted in a score of about 75% uh, due to some breakthrough COVID-19 cases involving personnel. In addition, holiday and vacation requests was honored to ensure business uh, correction, uh, to ensure continuity of operations. Post and site competency testing, uh, Allied attained about 86%. Next slide, please. Quality of life issues. Uh, vagrancy and suspicious persons continue to be the two most prevalent issues we deal with daily. Uh, from these two, uh, the behavior of individuals has gotten more aggressive requiring more intervention uh, from SFPD. Next slide. Uh, part one crimes. Um, so we had five, we had nine lar uh, larceny thefts. Uh, five of them involved cell phones and then four bikes. Uh, and basically with the cell phones, we had the, the victims basically sat down and then walked away from the cell phones and unknown perpetrator came and picked them up. Um, we had one arson uh, along the uh, bus ramp, not on the bus deck, uh, but we had one arson along the bus deck, I mean, the uh, bus ramp along the Essex ramp. Uh, in part two, we had five graffiti incidents, and then we had one battery incident involving a stepfather and stepson. Stepson uh, was determined to be the primary aggressor, and this was uh, took place on an inbound Muni uh, 25 bus onto the uh, bus deck. Next slide, please. 
Reports and arrests. Um, there were 44 arrests made, 31 reports taken. Keep in mind the 31 reports. Uh, there were some courtesy reports that SFPD could, um, completed for other districts. Uh, and so one of the uh, arrests was interesting. Uh, it occurred on October the 6th. Um, this is involving at, at the Verizon store. And so I just wanna you know, uh, make the board aware every time, anytime that we onboard a new tenant, uh, we give them a security overview of our capabilities and things of that nature and, uh, and certain protocols to take. Um, the staff in Verizon had noticed this individual had visited the store on several occasions. Uh, uh, didn't come in to purchase anything, didn't make uh, make any conversations and things of that nature. So on this last visit, um, they decided to uh, contact the Security Operations Center. Uh, SFPD responded, uh, made contact with the subject. Upon further uh, conversation, it was discovered that the individual possessed a uh, stolen motorcycle valued at $18,000. Um, the subject was subsequently arrested for grand theft, uh, and then the motorcycle was turned over to its rightful owners. Um, October 29th, we had two trespassers, two female trespassers. This was a result of the uh, protest at Black Rock. Uh, so on the south side of the um, first street, um, two females decided to scale the uh, awning area. And then on November the 3rd, we had a uh, theft involving a, uh, um, a bike in Retail West um, that was uh, arrest was made. Next slide, please. Um, part one crimes are up 25%. Part two crimes are down about 40%. Quality of life issues are up about 15%. Reports and arrests are up about 343%. Um, obviously back in 2020, uh, there is little to no activity uh, here at the transit center as, as well as downtown. Um, we were still in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, and citations are up about 50%. Next slide, please. This is an interesting slide. Um, you know, we just don't wing it when it comes to security. We're looking at other, you know, twos and metrics. And we use the San Francisco Police Department Southern District uh, stats. Um, we analyze these stats on a regular basis to get a pulse for what's going, what's happening within the district. Uh, obviously, the transit center is within the uh, SFPD Southern Stations District. Uh, and so we determine any kind of measures are needed to deter certain crimes. Uh, our part one and part two crimes, which I just spoke on the previous slides, are incorporated within this slide here. Uh, to the far right of this slide, to the far right, you notice that larceny theft is up about 137% uh, from 2020. Furthermore, the larceny theft uh, from the transit center accounted for less than three quarters of 1% of the total larceny thefts that occurred within the district. So you see we have we're we're about nine uh, nine of that one thousand and two two hundred and seventy six. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, let's talk about um, SFPD citywide um, calls for service hierarchy. Uh, San Francisco Department of Emergency Management uses a, high, a hierarchy uh, to designate the urgency and the priority of calls requiring police response. For example, Party A. Um, present or imminent danger to life, major property damage, etc. Priority B, uh, this is the potential for damage to property, etc. Priority C, there is no present or potential danger uh, to life or property, etc. Uh, you can see some of the examples to the far right that correlates back to the priority. Next slide, please. 
This slide here is uh, SFPD citywide response times in minutes. Uh, this is from when the call comes in to the Department of Emergency Management to when an officer is on, arrives on scene. So part, part A is about eight minutes. Part B, I mean, correction, priority B calls about 28 minutes and priority C is about an hour and 35 minutes. Um, what impacts the response times in the citywide is the population density, traffic congestion, and then what's just, just been going on throughout the country uh, with staffing from dispatchers to sworn staffing as well, uh, and then the number of call volumes. Uh, we're fortunate here uh, to have the MOU with SFPD, uh, um, which makes us independent of this uh, hierarchy ecosystem. Our calls for service are always priority A here at the Transit Center. Uh, SFPD usually is uh, on scene within four minutes or less when dispatched. Now, keep in mind that we are a critical infrastructure, a critical infrastructure with soft target locations within the transit center. SFPD provides us with an instant reactionary presence that is a deterrence for criminal activity, including domestic and international terrorism. Uh, this concludes my presentation. I'll be glad to answer any questions. Thank you, Rodney, for your presentation. I hope we're not saying COVID's good for security. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, directors, any questions or comments on the presentation, the quarterly update on security? Director Shaw, please. I just I do have a question. You know, when you on page five with the the or maybe it's four, you get the part two crimes. Um, their best. You talked about the arrests, and you talked about it being Verizon, but it says bus deck. Arrest is that still the Verizon one? Because then you talked about the bike. So I just was there two arrests in this report? I mean, um, in this period. So, uh, which four. slide? Which slide, Director Shaw? Page five. I think it says two arrests on the bus deck and two arrests in Retail West. Is that? Am I understanding it correctly? Yeah, the two arrests in the bus deck was the, the two individuals, females that I advise of the trespassing uh, for um, uh, doing, the Black, uh, doing the Black Rock demonstration. Okay, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Other director questions or comments? I would also offer, Roddy, if any director would like to tour the Security Operations Center, you'll be happy to host them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's pretty amazing, SOC. If you have not seen it, directors, please reach out and take a tour. Um, it, it, it's sort of the brains and the hub of activity to help make sure this transit center stays safe. So it is amazing. Thank you, Chair G. Thank you, Rodney, for your presentation. I believe, Adam, that concludes the um, ED report. Is that correct? That is correct. Very good. Before we go on to the CAC report, uh, Mr. Secretary, are there any public comment on the ED suite of reports? Uh, yes, there is. Moderator, can you please let in the first caller? Hi, this is Jim Patrick. Uh, two thoughts. Number one, the report the uh, executive director gave was, I could only understand maybe 50% of what he said. And uh, I think we need a new microphone on his end. Uh, anyway, it was very poor. Uh, number two, I think Rodney's doing a great job on the security and keeping after that. So uh, well done for him. Thank you. 
that concludes public comment on this item. I will proceed to call your next item. Thank you. Director's item six is the CAC update and CAC chair Derek Hope will address you on this item. Good morning, directors. <clears throat> Earlier this week, we completed our February CAC meeting. We opened with a moment of silence at the beginning of the meeting for our, our enthusiastic and passionate TJPA CAC member, Bob Planthold. We continue to accept applications for upcoming open seats for the CAC members. I've shared this opportunity with folks in my network and discussed recruitment activities with uh, Ms. Lily Majiswu. After her staff report, member Wong asked about the level of competition for the state and federal funding that Lily reported on. We acknowledged her summation of her answer with the one word, fierce. <clears throat> we appreciate the efforts that are being put forth by so many people to secure the funding for the DTX and the different stages. We know that there are many involved and that it takes quite a bit of uh, coordination and detailed, uh, detailed work. CAC members were interested in the SFCTA DTX ridership forecasting and benefits analysis update from uh, Alfonso Rodriguez and Jesse Kohler of SFCTA. There were a few questions regarding the framework used to identify the number shared. Several members of the CAC or a member of the public asked questions or commented on topics such as the tools and metrics used to evaluate and forecast the ridership, where the riders are coming from, the role of train speed, the number of trains per hour, and the effect upon ridership, as well as the speed and capacity of the rail system uh, and the uh, and also the New Start program. Jesse did let us know that there are required models and algorithms that must be used for these types of evaluations and calculations. During the facilities and retail leasing update from Jen Norris, the CAC members were pleased to hear the progress with wayfinding, the COVID safety precautions, as well as the tenants that will be opening their doors soon in the, in the next coming months. There were uh, discussions surrounding topics such as wayfinding, tenants that will be opening soon, programs to incentivize area office workers to use the park for small gatherings and small group work meetings of 24 people or less, but at the same time, the precaution of making sure that the park is not overcrowded. The touch screens and ensuring that they're a program to make it easy to find what a person is looking for also came up. And, uh, and then during the, the security section from Mr. Rodney Harris, uh, CAC member Stroll and others appreciated the quarterly security update and the KPIs. Discussion topics raised by CAC members under the heading of securing the park included minimizing skateboards and bikes in the park, response times by SFPD when needed, the challenges of dogs in the park and the number of service animals, and efficient use of uh, security cameras and more. Everyone appreciated Mr. Rodney Harris, uh, Mr. Rodney Harris, and his thorough responses, as well as his dedication and passion to keeping the facility secure. The strong relationship between the Salesforce Transit Center and the SFPD was highlighted. Future agenda topics raised uh, included the Bay Bridge Forward Program, updates on the parcel parcel adjacent to the bus ramp, updates on precautions taken to assure pedestrian safety from buses around the transit center. I think members wanted to make sure that as pedestrian numbers increase post-pandemic, that the increased bus traffic does not lead to injured pedestrians. Uh, and I think the last thing uh, brought up was uh, the temporary terminal, just updates on that and, and a few other things. At this point, this concludes my report and I'm here for any questions. 
Thank you, CAC Chair Holt. Appreciate the update and the report. Directors, any questions? Comments? If not, Mr. Secretary, are there any public comment on CHC Chair Holt's report? Uh, no public comment at this time. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the report. Be well and have the committee be well. Thank you very much. I will go ahead and call your next item. Directors, item seven is public comment and opportunity for members of the public to address the authority or matter that are not on today's calendar. Uh, seeing none at this time, I'll proceed to call your next item. Thank you, sir. Directors, your next item is the consent calendar. All matters listed are considered to be routine and we acted upon by a single vote. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the board or the public so request, in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered separately. Move approval, Shaw. Second, Forbes. Thank you. <clears throat> Moved and seconded. Mr. Secretary, can you call the roll? Uh, check for public comment first. Please, yes. And seeing that there is none, I'll proceed to go ahead and take a roll call vote. Uh, Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. Director Galli? Aye. Galli, aye. Director John Baptiste? Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Shaw? Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair G? Yes. G, aye. There are seven ayes and item eight. The consent calendar is approved. Directors, item nine is the San Francisco Peninsula Rail Program Executive Steering Committee update on the downtown rail extension. Project benefit and Michelle Bouchard, acting executive director of Caltrain and ASC chair, will present this item. Great, thank you, Mr. Secretary. Good morning, Chair G and uh, members of the board. For this month's update, I'd like to highlight a, a few key points from our work at the ESC. Um, first, from the January meeting of the ESC, um, we received a presentation on the DTX project ridership forecast and benefits analysis work. Uh, which is in process, as well as the project overview highlighting the good progress that uh, was achieved last year against the DTX work plan. Um, we, in, in light of that, we received a preview of the project activities that lie ahead during this year, including those that will help us advance DTX through the FTA's new starts project development phase. The ridership force forecasting work, uh, which is led by SFCTA in accordance with our current work plan, is critical to the development of the FTA project grant rating scheduled for next year and will confirm the amount of forecasted new riders, expected travel time savings, and the projected reduction in vehicle miles traveled. Um, VMT reductions, as the FTA determines, are relative cost effectiveness and environmental benefits. The SFCTA will continue working with TJPA and Caltrain on the ridership, including conversion from local modeling software to FTA's required modeling software this spring. We'll be keeping uh, this board updated as we uh, progress that effort. Second, 
Um, following our last meeting, uh, I conveyed your guidance to the ESC and the IPMT that the DTX project delivery alternative study work reflect TJPA's policy for inclusiveness, job creation, and equity in our comparison and recommendation of the delivery options. The ESC will again be briefed on this study in March, and in April, we will review the IPMT's recommendation to include or exclude a project development agreement component for DTX delivery. That recommendation will be presented for this board's consideration at your meeting in May, and the final project delivery strategy, including delivery recommendation, will be brought back to the board in July. Uh, also, we will begin our governance conversation at ESC later this month with the goal of briefing the board first on context and approach next month, then on optioned, uh, options and an initial assessment in May, all in anticipation of a final governance recommendation to the TJPA board in September, uh, and certainly um, we appreciated the feedback that we got from this board last month in terms of, you know, uh, wanting to understand how the governance uh, item is being framed. And so we will be certain to bring that back to the board um, as we progress that effort. Uh, and lastly, not necessarily related to the ESC itself, but uh, I, uh, I really appreciated the opportunity to host Adam and his staff out at the Fourth and King facility for a bit of a walkabout. Um, there's nothing quite like touching it and feeling it to understand how the DTX alignment will interface with Fourth and King. And, uh, you know, since we have all of the construction for electrification out there, uh, I, it's very easy to envision a day when we begin construction for DTX uh, in the Fourth and Townsend station as we head downtown. So, with that, I'll conclude my brief report. I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you, ESC Chair Bouchard. Directors, any questions or comments? Things on Chair G. Uh, uh, Michelle, if, if I may, can, at the next report, um, I can't even think what month I'm in, March, can you work with our executive director and put together a slide that kind of just maps out what you just said for board? you know, briefings, more formal board briefings. I think you gave a list of about four, yeah. maybe five. If you just put a slide together for the board. So we all know what's coming. You can put a big star with caveats, you know, that COVID might still happen or whatever. But I think it just helps the board look ahead to see what's coming as well as the public so they can make decisions about joining the conversation and the dialogue. Yeah, absolutely, Chair G. In fact, I, I, I'm already seeing in my mind, in fact, I'm, um, I think we have a, a, a slide that is prepared uh, just for this, make sure that we have all of the particular dates updated, but it shows all of the concurrent streams of work as they're happening at the EAC and when they'll come back to this board. So um, ESC, sorry. And, and again, um, apologize for the acronym laden report, but uh, I'm sure I use the ones that everyone's familiar with, but certainly Chair G, we will bring it back. Thank you. Any public comment on this item, Mr. Secretary? Uh, yes. Moderator? Hello, caller. Please state your name. Your two minutes begin now. Good morning, uh, Directors. Roland Robran, San Jose. A couple of quick comments. Uh, on the modeling, I'd like to echo the comment I made at the CAC that it is critical that the SFCTA uh, accelerate 
the modeling, including the new Trans Bay crossing, uh, is going to be such a transformational change. Um, we have to do this now. We're going to be building an even stronger case with the uh, the federal government uh, if, we, if we do this. Uh, my closing comment is regards to the comment that um, uh, Ms. Bouchard made about the potential impact of the DTX on the Caltrain Education Infrastructure. This is where the PAX uh, comes in, the Peninsylvania Avenue Extension. I designed this 11 years ago in such a way that there would be absolutely zero impact on any of the existing Caltrain infrastructure. And I think the sooner we integrate the PAX into the overall DTX project, the better for all of us, uh, including potential cost savings in the region of $2 billion. Thank you. That concludes public comment at this time. I'll proceed to call your next item. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Directors. Directors, item 10 is authorizing the executive director to execute a non-binding term sheet for operations agreements between the Trans Bay Joint Powers Authority and the East Cut Community Benefit District with Office of Community Investment and Infrastructure as, a, as an acknowledging entity regarding the design, development, operation, and funding of the proposed under-ramp park project. And Adam Vanderwater, TJPA Executive Director, will provide introductory remarks. And Deborah Miller, TJPA Legal Counsel, along with Ben Brandon, OCII's Trans Bay Project Manager, and Andrew Robinson, Executive Director of the CBD, will present this item. Thank you, Donald. Hopefully, the board can hear me. We've been diagnosing some challenging audio on my end. And is the audio better now. We've increased the microphone and made some adjustments here on the fly. Um, appreciate your patience. So we're bringing to you today a proposed non-binding term sheet that outlines the plan of cooperation between the TJPA, the East Cut Community Benefit District, and the San Francisco Office of Community Investment and Infrastructure to deliver a street-level park primarily located on TJPA property under the bus ramp. While this street-level park is not currently within the TJPA's program, staff have identified significant potential benefits from the TJPA's cooperation, including delivering a neighborhood amenity and programming the TJPA's otherwise vacant property under the ramp. As, you're, as you'll hear in the presentation, TJPA and OCII have been in discussion for a number of years about the vision for under-ramp park and how to structure our cooperation. We expect to bring a suite of agreements to the board for its consideration, describing in detail the roles and responsibilities of the parties. The term sheet before you today is the first step in negotiation of one of those agreements, an operations agreement between the TJPA and the CBD regarding management and funding for park operations. Ben Brandon, OCII's Transbay project manager, and Andrew Robinson, Executive Director of the CBD, are joining TJPA's counsel, Deborah Miller, for the presentation. So, Ben, if we could load the presentation, Donald and Jason, I will take it from here. Good morning, Chair G, board members, and Executive Director Vandewater. Thank you for the introduction. Again, I am Ben Brandon, Transbay Project Manager with the Office of Community Investment and Infrastructure, or OCII. And I'd like to begin uh, with an overview of the agenda of this uh, presentation. So next slide, please. 
Uh, you just heard the introduction from the Executive Director Vanderwater. Um, I'm going to provide a, an overview of ERP's history or Under Ramp Park's history, um, as well as the current project status. Uh, I will explain um, the cooperation proposed to deliver the project. Um, Andrew Robinson, uh, EastCut CBD's Executive Director, will go over um, the CBD's role in this, as well as the fundraising goals for the Under Ramp Park project that they intend to, uh, to begin promptly. And then um, your counsel, Deborah Miller, uh, will go over the term sheet for operations agreement and discuss the next steps. Next slide, please. Okay, in 2005, the city adopted the Transbay Redevelopment Plan, the purpose of which was to take 10 acres of state-owned parcels that were vacated by the removal of South of Market portions of the former Embarcadero Freeway that were damaged in the Loma Prieta earthquake and prepare them for development. Sales proceeds and tax increment from these state-owned parcels would be used to fund the construction of the Salesforce Transit Center. That same year, the TJPA and the former San Francisco Redevelopment Agency entered into what is known as the Implementation Agreement, which required the former agency, the former uh, San Francisco Redevelopment Agency, to execute all activities related to the implementation of the Transbay Redevelopment Plan including but not limited to activities related to major infrastructure improvements, including new parks. So as successor agency to the San Francisco Redevelopment Agency, OCII is now responsible for completing its predecessor's obligations under the Transbay Redevelopment Plan and the Implementation Agreement. Then in 2006, the former Redevelopment Agency approved the Transbay Streetscape and Open Space Plan which identified the under-ramp park uh, areas of the future TJPA bus ramp into the new transit terminal and the reconfigured Fremont Street uh, Bay Bridge off-ramp as opportunities to provide additional public space in the project area. In 2011, the former uh, redevelopment agency contracted with Conger Moss Guillard, or CMG, Landscape Architecture, to design the newly completed Folsom Streetscape project and under-ramp park project. Then in 2012, the state of California dissolved redevelopment agencies, but it, it established successor agencies to complete certain projects that the state determined were enforceable obligations. And on April 15th of 2013, the California Depart Department of Finance determined finally and conclusively that the implementation agreement, along with other Transbay related documents, uh, were an enforceable obligation. Next slide, please. The Transbay Redevelopment Project Area is split into two zones. Zone 1 is OCII's Land Use Authority, whereas Zone 2 falls under the Planning Department's uh, jurisdiction. The Underground Park Project uh, site straddles the two zones and is generally bounded by Howard Street to the north, Folsom Street to the south, um, First Street to the east, and Essex Street to the west. On this map of the project area, Under Ramp Park is the shape shaded in red, and the park will be approximately 2.5 acres in size. Next slide, please. As I previously mentioned, uh, the former SFRDA, OCII's predecessor, contracted with CMG Landscape Architecture in 2011 to design the Under Ramp Park project. Between 2013, when OCII approved the original Under Ramp Park concept design, and 2017, uh, the agency worked with the TJPA and Caltrans to resolve critical project issues. In 2018, CMG did complete a draft schematic design for the park. 
Um, but the project was placed on hold at that time. As part of OCII's pre-development work on the project, our staff worked with consultants and identified a projected operating deficit for the park whereby the anticipated revenues do not cover its expected costs. Therefore, at the time, TJPA asked OCII not to advance the project further until the TJPA could first identify a park operator and work with that park operator on an operations funding plan. Next slide, please. As envisioned, the park's programming includes a dog park, areas for children's play, walking, biking, adult and youth sports, relaxation spaces, areas for events and community programs, and casual dining. A beer garden or concessions building, um, lounge space and game area is planned adjacent to Clementina Street at the center of the park site. A two-story pavilion building is also planned um, at the Folsom edge uh, of Underramp Park. The pavilion's upper story is currently designed to include three food kiosks with small indoor seating serving park patrons. Additionally, uh, seating and tables will be, will be provided outside of the food kiosks on a large plaza overlooking the park. The lower story of the pavilion building is located at the same level as the park and will be used as office space and storage for the East Cup Community Benefits District. Adjacent to the CBD office space is um, an ancillary flexible space or conference room that would be used by the CBD during the weekdays and for parties and community meetings on weeknights and weekends. Next slide, please. This unique but valuable project presents both opportunities and constraints, and the TJPA and OCI have worked diligently over the past number of years to bring Underrent Park to fruition. Some of the benefits of the project uh, are that it does deliver on a key tenet of the Transbay Redevelopment Plan, namely the creation of new open space and parks within the redevelopment project area. Furthermore, it optimizes and activates the vacant spaces under the TJPA bus ramp and Caltrans Folsom, uh, Fremont Street off ramps by turning them into a dynamic neighborhood serving open space. Some of the challenges of the project are that under redevelopment dissolution law, OCII can complete its Transbay infrastructure projects since, it, the state, since the state has affirmed them as enforceable obligations, but the successor agency cannot own or operate the project long-term. The project is also uh, currently not part of the TJPA's Transit Center project program. The TJPA lacks the funding to develop or operate the park, but by partnering with OCII and the East Cut CBD, the TJPA serves as a conduit to bring Underramp Park to reality. A significant, well, not a significant, but a design challenge for the park um, is that the TJPA ramp must always be protected and CMG's drafted schematic design for the park does respond to this critically important need by not placing improvements directly adjacent to any of the columns that support the overhead ramp. And finally, the operations, especially the commercial functions within Underramp Park, must complement the TJPA's programming of the transit center. Despite these challenges, the new park will produce benefits for both the East Cut Transbay community and the TJPA. Upon completion, the neighborhood will have another uniquely engaging asset that draws people into the district. And given that Underramp Park's northern, uh, Underramp Park's northern edge abuts the back of the Salesforce Transit Center, it will funnel people into the transit center to take advantage of all that it has to offer. Next slide, please. 
The term sheet for, for an operations agreement for your consideration here today establishes a strategy of cooperation between the TJPA, the EastCut CBD, and OCII. The term sheet maintains both the TJPA and OCII's existing roles on Underramp Park, but it formally establishes the EastCut CBD as a new partner on the project. The TJPA owns most of the parcels that comprise the future park, and it will own the improvements once construction of Underramp Park is completed. OCII is funding and managing all pre-development and design of the park and will also fund the park's construction, which will be managed by San Francisco Public Works. The TJPA has intended to, uh, to procure an operator for the park and through this term sheet and a future operations agreement, the TJPA is delegating ERP operations and maintenance responsibilities to the EastCut CBD. This concludes my portion of the presentation, and I'm going to turn things over to Andrew Robinson, Executive Director of the EastCut CBD. Andrew. Thank you, Ben. Uh, thank you, Chair G and board members for having me here to speak on this item. Uh, I'm Andrew Robinson, the Executive Director of the EastCut CBD, and I'm really pleased to be part of what I expect to be a truly neighborhood-serving park in a dynamic and rapidly growing neighborhood. Um, up on the slide, I'll just quickly go through. The EastCut CBD was formed officially in December 2015 and started services in June of 2016. We've been operating for about five and a half years and are funded primarily through assessments from property owners within the district and regularly fundraised to provide additional service and community programs. We provide cleaning, safety, homeless outreach, parks management, and community building programs in our current suite of programs. Our management plan anticipates that the East Cut CBD will manage and operate specific parks in the neighborhood, including under Ramp Park. We currently manage several park and open spaces in the neighborhood. Uh, the activation of the former temporary Transbay Terminal site being our most recent efforts. The East Cut CBD is also tremendously proud to partner with the TJPA on Salesforce Park and provides nearly 80% of the park's funding. It is a gem in our neighborhood and its design program and the use of it has consistently exceeded expectations, even through COVID. Um, our management plan does require us currently to set aside $235,000 a year to support under ramp park operations. And the CBD was originally formed in 2015 for 15 years and will end in 2030, but we are eligible for renewal and all indications are that's the direction we are headed. Next slide, please. Um, what we know, and certainly what was just shared by Ben, is that what's currently allocated, the $235,000 for Under Ramp Park, is insufficient to cover the park's operational costs. Our budget analysis, along with OCII's and the consultants hired by OCII, as well as local practitioners that we've talked to, indicate that we need to raise $3 million to adequately cover Under Ramp Park's projected operating deficit between its opening and 2030. It is the East Cut CBD's intent to fundraise for this $3 million and combine other financial resources in advance of the park's construction, construction to close the funding gap. And with that, I will turn it over to the TJPA and Deborah. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Ben. Uh, Jason, if you could advance to the next slide, please. 
So as you heard from the executive director, Ben and Andrew, the TJPA has been in discussions with OCII and the CBD about formalizing a proposed cooperation agreement between the parties. Uh, we expect that there will be a suite of agreements that will come back to this board for its consideration and approval. But the first of those that the parties have been um, discussing is the operations agreement. So you have before you today a non-binding term sheet for that operations agreement. It would be between the TJPA and the CBD with the OCII as an acknowledging party. The purposes of the, operate, the term sheet are to um, make sure that the parties are have some clarity about their roles and responsibilities uh, for this cooperative effort to deliver under Ramp Park. Uh, and it would form the basis for us to continue negotiating an operations agreement, which would come back to this board for approval. It also helps the CBD to facilitate its fundraising effort uh, as Andrew described. Uh, next slide, please. Turning to some of the uh, contents of the term sheet that's before you, I'll highlight um, a couple of items. One is that the term sheet anticipates that the CBD will prepare an operations and maintenance plan uh, to describe in detail how it intends to operate the park so that the TJPA can have great confidence um, that the scope of the operations plan is complete and robust. Uh, the CBD would also be expected to prepare an operations budget. While we have preliminary information to date, uh, the CBD, of course, is committed to um, uh, updating uh, the operations budget to make sure that it has adequately considered all of the operations expenses relative to the park and has adequate uh, funding resources uh, for those operations. Um, another key item in the term sheet that I'll highlight um, again, relates to uh, TJPA's concern that it doesn't have a source of funding for operations of this park, and so it has a strong need to ensure that its partner CBD has the resources um, to ensure that it can adequately deliver on the operations of the park. And so the, um, the term sheet describes uh, milestones that the CBD um, has agreed to reach in order for TJPA and OCII to continue advancing on the design and construction of the park. Uh, next slide, please. So a bit more detail about what those uh, funding milestones are. The first is that the CBD um, raise at least $1.2 million, um, some of it cash in hand, some of it in the form of pledges. Uh, in, at that milestone accomplishment, then the TJPA would authorize OCII and Department of Public Works to advance uh, construction documents. Uh, the second fundraising milestone is that the CBD have achieved a total of $3 million cash in hand um, before the TJPA would be in a position to authorize construction uh, of Under Ramp Park to begin. Uh, next slide, please. So to give you a preview of uh, some of the steps that we see as we advance um, the proposed cooperation between the parties, uh, if you were to approve the uh, non-binding term sheet today, it would allow the CBD to continue its fundraising campaign, trying to get the, the, the dollars in hand to meet the fundraising milestones. OCII uh, would lead the uh, continuation of the schematic design effort, which would be subject to the TJPA's approval. Uh, TJPA would continue negotiations with the CBD on the operations agreement based on the term sheet that's in front of you today. 
TJPA, OCII, CBD, Caltrans would also continue to discuss uh, and negotiate the terms of the other suite of agreements that would need to come back to this board in order to allow the park to advance. I anticipate that that would look like an agreement between TJPA and OCII documenting the terms for uh, uh, construction of the, the infrastructure uh, and then some form of a likely lease agreement between the TJPA and Caltrans for the small parcel on which a portion of the park would be located. After those agreements are approved, OCI would be in a position um, as projected to issue bonds uh, to fund the construction of Under Ramp Park. Construction would proceed and then uh, be completed. Um, uh, the CBD would begin operations of the park and we flagged that in 2030, uh, currently, the district and the assessment funds that come from it um, are scheduled to terminate uh, unless they are renewed. And as Andrew explained, indications are that they're on a path um, to be able to renew, but that is not a guarantee. Next slide, please. So uh, you have then in front of you uh, the TJPA staff's recommendation to authorize the TJPA executive director to enter the non-binding term sheet related to the operations agreement. The CBD board and the OCII commission have already approved the term sheet. So the TJPA is the last party that needs to consider its approval. And uh, Andrew, Ben, and I, as well as the remainder of the TJPA staff are available to answer any questions that you might have about this project and the proposed cooperation. Deborah, thank you. And Adam, Ben, and Andrew, thank you. This is a, a big partnership of a lot of different uh, organizations. And um, as Michelle Bouchard shared earlier about the acronyms, we just got a big presentation full of acronyms, but thank you. Um, directors, questions. It's an exciting project for the neighborhood. Very exciting project. So directors, questions, comments? Director G, I have a question. Um, thank you so much for the presentation. Really great partnership and the CBD is such is serving such a critical role. Uh, so it's really exciting to learn about the partnership and have documents to approve uh, to help with the formation and keep the uh, important important work going forward. I had a question about fundraising for operating expenses that did concern me. Um, I think fundraising for operating expenses is typically very challenging. And I just wanted to understand what's plan B and who would be obligated to meet these operating expenses should the fundraising not come through. Andrew, do you want to start? Oh, Andrew, you're on mute. Happy to try and answer the question. Uh, uh, so the reality is, based on this term sheet, if we don't raise the funds, the park doesn't move forward, sort of full stop. So our intent is to meet the mark. As you saw in the presentation, we already have $700,000 in hand towards milestone one. Um, additionally, the CBD's board does meet tomorrow, where we hope, assuming this all goes well, to... Uh, authorize myself to negotiate a contract with a fundraising consultant, one who's had a lot of success here in the city. Um, and so that is our plan. We are very optimistic based on both our board's discussions as well as preliminary conversations with uh, supporters, corporates, and others in the neighborhood. 
Director Forbes, I would just add um, fleshing out that the operating um, funds would come from three sources. There's the assessment funds, which are um, relatively committed. Um, there's the revenue that would come through the operation of the park itself. So, for example, the beer garden. Um, and then there's the private fundraising um, that Andrew is and, and the whole CBD team are working on so diligently. And as Andrew described, we have tried to anticipate structuring the deal in a way that uh, the, the TJPA and OCII are not building infrastructure until we have a good level of confidence that there is more than uh, adequate funds to continue operating those infrastructure pieces for at least the first um, four to five years that the park would be in operation. Thank you very much for those detailed answers. Thank you, Director Forbes. Other questions? Or comments from first? Yes, Director Shaw. Thank you. I just have, I, I, I have two, but ongoing to what you're just discussing. So, because um, I think this is a great opportunity. I think it would bring a lot of people to the area, and I think it's really good for the, for the uh, uh, people in that area. Um, after 2030, I know you say it. You know, it's on. Hopefully, everything will be continue, and they'll continue with a new agreement. But what happens if, for some reason, that doesn't extend in 2030? What happens to the park at that point, and who would be responsible for ongoing uh, operations of it? And then my second question is: Is there any issue with? Um, I don't know. I, in my past, in my past life. I know there have been issues with Caltrans property and security and what you can do on Caltrans property. So if we lease Caltrans property, who, who's responsible for security in the area? And is there any issue with having security in that area? Fred, do you want to speak to that? Uh, so I, uh, as to the first question about what happens in the event that the community benefits district is not renewed, uh, then the majority of the land is the TJPAs and the TJPA would own the infrastructure. Um, and so um, TJPA would need to decide if we're in that um, unfortunate circumstance uh, whether there is an alternate party that could step in to manage and operate uh, the park, sort of step into the shoes of the CBD, obviously, though, without the assessment district funds to help support that effort, um, or um, consider other ways that it might need to program uh, the area. Um, so, you know, we, we do recognize uh, that there is some risk uh, to this endeavor. Uh, and we're, you know, eyes wide open uh, in terms of what, where that risk lies and what it could mean for the TJPA. Um, on your second question about Caltrans, so uh, we have had preliminary conversations with Caltrans about the use of its um, area for a portion of Under Ramp Park. We need to continue those conversations. We can't promise that we'll be able to bring forward an agreement with Caltrans, although we're optimistic. Uh, if we aren't able to reach an agreement with Caltrans, then we will need to um, modify the design of the park accordingly. Um, but as part of our optimistic uh, ability to reach an agreement with Caltrans, uh, it would discuss our obligations for um, security 
uh, of the, the parcel, as well as for Caltrans improvements that are um, located adjacent to and above where the park would be located. Uh, from the TJPA's perspective, we would anticipate um, uh, assigning those obligations to the CBD. So the CBD would be responsible for all security um, uh, and operations throughout the park, including uh, on those, uh, the, the portion that is under the Caltrans uh, or on the Caltrans property. Um, uh, the TJPA currently has a bus storage facility that's located under um, Interstate uh, 80, uh, which AC Transit um, uses <laughs> um, as daytime um, layover space. So that is a property that is owned by Caltrans, leased by TJPA, and then subleased to AC Transit. Obviously a different purpose, but we have a model where it works um, for this agency to lease land from Caltrans and use it for operations. Deborah, Thank can you. I and, add a piece and, to that? To, oh, please. Director Shaw, I just wanted to mention to you that the current design um, of the park uh, takes into account Caltrans's direction on what can be done on their parcels. Um, so in this case, uh, the portion of the site that is owned by Caltrans is being programmed for use as a dog park. The reason that it's being programmed for that use is because Caltrans was very specific about not allowing any um, permanent structures to be constructed underneath its ramp. Um, so I just want to assure you and all the other directors that we are in communications with Caltrans, um, not only on uh, the lease that Deborah mentioned, um, but also on the design and use of their space um, so they have been in the loop and they are contributing um, direction on that front. Thank you. Yeah, it's important. And, and obviously I'm concerned a little bit about ongoing fees uh, to AC Transit um, since we pay a considerable amount of operating costs. So um, I just want to make sure we're not adding to that. So thank you. Thank you, Director Shaw. Other director comments or questions? I had a, a question, Shirji. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for this presentation. Um, similar vein, when we're thinking about the re-up on the CBD, I wondered whether there is the potential for resetting the assessment to cover the ongoing operating expenses of the park so that we're not in a long-term um, situation of either having to rely on what we know can be sometimes unstable sources of funding from the park itself and or philanthropic investments. So that was my first question. And my second question was just in terms of the timing of this, from memory of the, of the agenda item, um, the decision on the CBD extension happens after there's various authorizations to, to proceed with developing the park. But I wondered if there were any sort of interim step that could give us more assurance that we would be able to seek that reauthorization that we could connect to the decision to go forward with the park. I will speak certainly to, thank you for your question, Director. I'll speak certainly to the first and give my best shot at the second. Uh, but yes, that is actually entirely our intent is to actually recalibrate the assessments to uh, successfully capture the actual costs of not only this park, but other parks and spaces we have in the neighborhood. Um, I'll also add that in San Francisco, there are currently 17 assessment districts. Uh, I believe uh, only one has ever not successfully renewed. 
Um, we currently in the neighborhood have nearly 5,000 property owners putting in dollars into the district that fund, you know, the park uh, 24 hours a day of cleaning, safety, homeless outreach. I think by and large, the feedback that we receive and we are always seeking it is very positive, feeling like this neighborhood is as clean and safe as any in San Francisco, if not more so. Um, and then on top of it, I think that we envision this park being so dynamic that we will have to continue to do some fundraising, but it's not going to be at the level that we're talking about now. And perhaps just an additional point. Um, so under our contemplated schedule, uh, construction would begin in um, May of 2024. So um, the TJPA and the CBD and OCI, we can go back and back out the timing um, that we think would be needed for um, looking for a um, renewal of the assessment district and see where that ties into the start of construction, to your point, um, Director John baptiste Yes, and I, and I would just add that the CBD actually has contemplated actually going for renewal early just to solve this challenge and not even do this fundraising campaign. What we've actually opted is that we feel like we are, will be successful in this fundraising campaign. We would like to operate the district as it was envisioned when it was formed, and then we would um, do it at 2030. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew, for, for your for answering, Deborah. I think to the extent the start of construction and the renewal process can be sort of touched together would alleviate some of the concerns that some of the directors have shared. I mean, we just know life, there are no guarantees in life and that um, there's a concern, but you know, if they can be kind of linked together or touched together, that would reduce some of the concerns that have been articulated today. Other director comments or questions? This item is an item for action before we get there. Seeing no other comments, uh, Mr. Secretary, are there any public comments? There's no public comment at this time, Chair G. Thank you. Directors, what would you like to do? I'd make a motion to authorize Shaw. Thank you, Director Shaw. Is there a second? I'll second, Forbes. Thank you, Director Forbes. Mr. Secretary? I'll proceed to take a roll call vote. Uh, Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. Director Galli? Aye. Galli, aye. Director John Baptiste? Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Shaw? Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tomlin? Aye. Tomlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman? Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair G? Yes. G, aye. There are seven. There are seven eyes. Item ten is approved. I'll proceed to call the next item. Directors, item eleven is authorizing the executive director to execute an amendment to the professional services agreement thirteen o two PMPC between the Trans Bay Joint Power Authority and URS Corporation, now known as AECOM. Program management slash program control services to modify the scope of services to include right of way management and program coordination support services and adjust the contract amount by $417,474 for a not to exceed total contract amount of 
14,474 and Alfonso Rodriguez, TJPA DTX project director will present. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman G. Um, this item authorizes the executive director to issue an amendment to the program management project controls consultant known as PMPC to include right-of-way management and related support services for the purpose of advancing DTX to a procurement ready state. The amendment also modifies, as you just heard, the contract amount by $417,474. Consistent with the DTX accelerated work plan adopted by this board in April of last year and the requirements of the Federal Transit Administration, capital investment grant, project development process, certain right-of-way planning and documentation tasks are scheduled to begin at this time including the development of a real estate acquisition management plan. Right-of-way acquisition for DTX largely consists of subsurface and surface easements, along with a few full parcel acquisitions, as identified in the federally approved final supplemental environmental impact statement. These activities are expected to begin this fall once the FTA approves our real estate acquisition management plan, and of course, subject to funding availability. To perform this real estate work, TJPA last month released requests for proposals to procure appraisal and relocation, right-of-way engineering, survey, title, and escrow services. Staff anticipates presenting to the board at its April meeting contract award recommendations to retain these services. So that concludes my presentation. Staff recommends approval of the recommendation authorizing the executive director to execute amendment number nine. Alfonso, thank you for your presentation and report. Directors, any comments or questions? Director Shaw. I do. Um, Alfonso, you know, right away is nothing new or unexpected. And so I know it said that the original uh, contract included limited right away services. So my guess, my question is, how was this missed or who was supposed to be managing this effort that's going forward? Certainly. No, the, it was envisioned that TJPA itself would lead the management effort. But due to the, the time frame in which the work needs to be done and the tenure of that role to manage the services, it made more sense for us to add that under the PMPC contract. And I guess um, my second follow-on to that is, while I understand the benefits of continuing with, you know, a constant controls office, um, it seems like this is so. This is about four hundred thousand for services within a fifteen-month period, and that just seems high to me for management of other contracts. Am I certainly? So, I mean, as I mentioned before, we had the program originally envisioned a, a TJPA staff position to lead the effort, and the effort involves completing, developing, and completing that real estate acquisition management plan, which is a rather comprehensive document and including all the coordination, um, not just with the sub-consultants that we, or the, our direct consultants that we plan to onboard after April, but all the coordination with legal counsel, with uh, agencies having jurisdiction, primarily the city, Caltrans, uh, property owners, it's pretty much a full-time effort over that year and a half. So I, um, I, I, I certainly appreciate the question. Um, However, it is a pretty intensive effort. So over the 15 months you're expecting, I mean, because it's really only 15 months as opposed to 18, but 
um, you're expecting it to have multiple personnel, then not just one person that's probably having to do this. Well, it's it's one person primarily that this agency needs to rely upon and then support services to that. Now, I also want to point out that that figure that we listed in the staff report, it, it, it actually encompasses the period through the end of the PMPC contract, which is uh, June of um, 2024. So it, it, even though the, um, the, the, the activity that we're defining says, um, I'm sorry, 2020, I'm gonna scratch that. The, the, um, the scope of services is, is identified in the staff report as you indicated. Thank you. Thank you, Director Shaw. Are there are questions from directors. <clears throat> I'm not seeing any hands raised or people waving at me on the screen. So I, I do have a follow on question to Director Shaw's uh, question, Alfonso. If I'm reading the staff report correctly, this contract was awarded in 2013, and this is amendment number nine. And if the board approves, it gets to a bigger number of 51 million. Is there, from a best practice standpoint, a point in time that we will recompete this contract? Because this is a big number for a long period of time. And I understand the continuity is important, but just from the best practice standpoint, recompeting should be part of what we do as a board. Certainly, Chairman G. Um, the, the, the plan is before this contract expires in June of 2024, that TJPA would recompete a support services contract, more focused though on construction management support. So if you, you know, at that time in 2024, we will be just starting our advanced utility work relocation work. So we'll actually be doing some form of construction. And then in 2025, um, concurrent with FTA's approval of our scheduled full funding grant agreement, we expect to begin heavy civil construction. So the timing works pretty well for us to transition to more of a construction management support services role. Thank you. Do you anticipate any additional amendments to this agreement on, on amendment number 10? I, I, there are none that I can foresee at this moment, Chairman G. Okay, thank you. Directors, any other questions or comments? This item is for action before we go there. Is there any public comment, Mr. Secretary? Yes. Moderator? Hello, caller. Please state your name. Your two minutes begin now. Hello again, directors. Roland Perbrand, San Jose. Very briefly, I would like to echo Director G's comments and concerns. And this concludes my remarks. Thank you. That does conclude public comment. This is an item for action. Is there a motion? Is there a motion? I move approval, John Baptiste. Is there a second? I'll second, Forbes. Thank you, directors, for the motion and second, Mr. Secretary. Absolutely. Uh, I'll take a roll call vote, Director Forbes. Aye. 
Forbes, aye. Director Galli. Aye. Galli, aye. Director John Baptiste. Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Shaw. Abstain. Shaw, abstain. Director Tomlin. Aye. Tomlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Chair G. Yes. G, aye. There are seven, sorry, there are six ayes. Item 11 is approved. I'll proceed to call here next. Well, I'll proceed. Uh, at this time, the board is scheduled to go into closed session pursuant to government code section 54956.8. We have not received any indication that a member of the public wishes to comment on the item listed, but they have an opportunity to do so now. I'm seeing no public comment at this time. General Counsel, do you expect that reportable action after closed session today? I'm not anticipating that there would be any action to report at a closed session today. Thank you. For the members of the public, you're more than welcome to wait till we come back or we will see you at next month. But uh, as General Counsel shared, we do not anticipate any reportable action. So thank you. So with that, we will adjourn our regular session and go into closed session, Mr. Secretary. That is correct. Director, please bear one minute while we go ahead and put this into practice.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. We are live. Thank you, sir. The TJPA board meeting is back in session, directors. Item 15 is the announcement of closed session. As to item 14, conference with real property negotiators related to the property known as the Parcel F development site at the address as specified on the agenda with the negotiating parties as specified on the agenda. Regarding price in terms of payment for an easement, there is no action to report. Thank you, Deborah. Directors, that concludes the items before you today. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Directors, thank you and, and TJPA team. Thank you for your time today. That concludes our business. Meeting adjourned. Be well until we see you in March. And happy Take Black care, History everybody. Month. Yes. Thank That's you. Good. Thank you, Director Shaw. Have a good one. Adam, be well. SF Goat.